And so at this time, we're going to go ahead and, and turn to a time of worship in the Word. And so I'm going to have you go turn to Hebrews 10. We'll be in verses 19 through 20. Uh, and we'll just look at that together here for, for the remainder of our time briefly as we just encourage ourselves um, with the Word of God. Generally speaking, I know I got some, uh, looks like the ladies are going to be doing some gardening. So we got some gardeners in here. We got some farmers in here, maybe some plant science people. Generally speaking, what does a plant need to thrive? Come on, you can say it out. Water, okay. Sunlight, soil, sun, a lot of sun, air, water, okay. Anybody else got their their one specialty niche? They're like, it's got to have this. Some of y'all are a little bit shy because you know by nature you're a plant killer. It's like, I don't know how to keep this thing alive. (laughs) I'm going to have to give it to somebody else to do that. Um, but so, yeah, so generally speaking, y'all, y'all hit it on the head. A plant needs water, sunlight, nutrients, space to grow, optimal temps, uh, and so many other things that you named. Because on the opposite, on the reverse, then, what happens if even one of those essential elements or needs is missing? What happens? Right? Yeah, it suffers, growth is stunted, ultimately it shrivels, withers, and could die, even if it's missing one of those things. And so, for us as Christians, there are things essential to our faith. There are things critical to our growing and to our thriving as believers, just as a plant has these needs, and if it's missing one, it will not thrive and grow. And this morning, I just want to encourage us by looking at one of those things, and that, that one of those things, that is the body of Christ, the church. Right? We need each other. We need the body. The body is an essential part. Being in community with other believers is an essential part of us thriving. Okay? Jesus did not come to grow an individual or be ahead of one single person. He came to be the head of the church. He did not come to be the bride of a single person. He came to be the bride of the church. We need each other. It's essential. And ultimately, it's not just us. It's because Christ is in us, right? The Spirit of God is in each of you. It's in the believers. And we need God in each other in order for us to grow. This is by design. It's throughout Scripture. We see that God created us for himself, and he created us for each other. Do you know that you need the body of Christ? Do you know that you need the church? You need other people to grow. Or are you stuck, or are we stuck, right, in what has become norm, especially in Western culture, of isolation and individual faith? Right? It's the, the me, it's just me and Jesus mentality. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that's not biblical. Search the scriptures. There's no one where it was just, there's of course a personal response to salvation of Jesus, right? You can't be saved through someone else, but as far as living out the faith, growing and thriving, that is us as a church. Collectively, God uses us to grow and help each other thrive. So let's read this passage. And this, so this passage is a reminder to us this morning of what it looks like to thrive in community, in the body of Christ. 
It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the word and the truth of the scriptures, God, that ignites and stirs up our heart with love for you. And so, God, I ask right now that your spirit would speak. In any way that I need to get out of your way, would I get out of your way? But here I am. Lord, use the voice and the thoughts and the things that you desire to speak to your people this morning in order to lift them up. Would you do so? Soften hearts, soften ears to hear God. And may your voice be heard this morning by all who are expectant and eager to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So real quick, briefly here, as we look at the scripture, the, the author starts by saying, therefore, therefore, right? It's typically a statement of, dear reader, this has to do with all that has been said before. And so what was the author talking about in the previous part of chapter 10 or even other parts of the book of Hebrews? If you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, quite a bit of the book of Hebrews is talking about how Jesus is the greater and perfect sacrifice, even more than the slaughter of the lambs and goats and bulls and all the plus. How Jesus is the greater high priest. How Jesus is greater than Moses, right? How Jesus is the end all be all. And so at the beginning of chapter 10, the focus of the author was here that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and he is that sacrifice once and for all that we no longer have to sacrifice so many animals in order to have our sins be forgiven and be made right with God. And so here's the author saying, okay, therefore, because this is true, therefore, we have confidence, or we have boldness to enter the sanctuary. What is he getting at here? As we look at the Old Testament way and structure, the way that the people of God interacted with God was typically to go to the tabernacle or to go to the temple. And the way that it was set up In the tabernacle, there's a set-apart space called the Holies of Holies where the presence of God dwelt. But the people cannot enter in. Only one person can enter in. And actually, only one time a year. And that is the high priest. To make atonement, to make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And even the high priest, too, like... Uh, there's, there's chances that if he enters unclean into that presence, he would die. And so we cannot approach. There was a time where you cannot just approach the presence of God. You cannot just come before God. But now in Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of his death and resurrection, what he has done, he's completely tore the veil and given us full access into the presence of God. Scott was praying about that earlier. And the kids were talking about that earlier. We have the presence of God. Now, as you sit here, you have full access to who God is because of Jesus. 
the veil has been torn. We see in the Gospels, in the moment that Jesus died, or if you've watched the Passion of the Christ, the veil that was in the Holy of Holies, there's this massive curtain that actually separated the Holy of Holies from other parts of the temple and in the tabernacle that tore in half completely. Opening up this space now where you and I can come and be with God. There's no longer a hindrance because Jesus now is that curtain by his death and resurrection. But not a curtain to hinder, but a curtain to bring in, to usher us in, into the presence of God in every space. And so, because this is true. Now, this is where the author invites us in. Because this is reality for us, we have full access to God. We can enter into God's presence. How are we to live as such? And the author here sets for us three things. Three ways in which we are to live. Right? It's almost Father's Day. And so I think a, a, a little dad joke is allowed, okay? I don't know how much you're into salad, but there's a lot of lettuce in this, the rest of this passage. So, all right? Yeah, you could take that one for free. <laughs> and so what we see here, the author has three let us statements where he invites us in. We talk about we are the church. Let us. Let us. And so we're going to look at those specifically and consider what those mean in our thriving and in our growing. And specifically because Jesus has become our great high priest. The first one, the author said, let us draw near to God. And so we thrive as the body of Christ, as the people of God, by drawing near to God. By helping each other move towards God. By helping each other love God more and know God. Witnessing the life of other believers, if you're in genuine community all the time, consistently surrounded by those who love God, Layla talked about that earlier, you will be stirred up to love God as well. This is one way in which we help each other to grow and thrive. I look back to my own experiences, and I can look back at different stages of my life and in different communities where I've been since I first came to the Lord. Looking way back to sixth grade, at church camp up in northern Minnesota when I first received Jesus, right? And I can think back to those moments where by being surrounded with other campers, seeing other kids my age as a middle schooler, high schooler, who were excited about loving Jesus, who were just so passionate about who Jesus is and his mission, that stirred up longing for me. Man, I want to love God more. I want to love Jesus more. Because all these other friends are excited about loving Jesus. They're for real about loving Jesus. Years later, as I went to college in my undergrad at Mankato, right, right away, the Lord drew me to himself and got me plugged in and connected with a group of guys that were just on fire for Jesus. They just loved God and everything that they did. They were passionate about it. Still got a lot of those good friends in this day. But their love for God, their drawing towards God, ignites and stirs up my own desire to want to keep moving towards God. We need each other to thrive in that way. And of course, as Scott said, this will be my last time uh, sharing the message with you in a little while. Another battery. I thought I got rid of all of it. I feel like a robot out here. I just got batteries falling out of me or something. I, you know, <laughs> goodness, I'm going to shut down soon. So hopefully you got enough from the message already. <laughs> um, 
But, man, it, it, it really has been such a blessing and an honor and a privilege to have had the opportunity to be here, to be part of this church, to be part of this family for Karen and I. So many of you help helped us to grow in Jesus. We have a greater and a deeper love for Jesus because of you. The ladies who've been in youth group with me, they have helped me to grow in loving Jesus more. The elders, the brothers who are deacons and elders in our church and leadership of this body who care and serve wholeheartedly with all that they are have helped me to love Jesus more just as I am around them. Many of you have have contributed to that and we're so indebted to the Lord in the ways that he's used you to grow us. Let us thrive by drawing and moving towards God. We help each other draw towards God. And so the question is, and both of the graduates spoke to this, and I'm so glad to hear that from them. Are you engaged? Are you surrounded by community? Are you intentional about prioritizing being around people who you know are moving towards God? Who you know are loving Jesus and want to love Jesus more because that will cause you to love Jesus more. Because listen, if the church is truly being the church, you will thrive and grow in loving Jesus. If you're part of a church or a community who's truly about loving Jesus, you will love Jesus. We're not talking about magic or osmosis or that type of deal, but for real, we are challenged and encouraged and stir one another up. I think all of you can think to different stages in your life and different communities that you've been in, communities of faith, and think of specific people or small groups that you've been part of and how they have specifically helped you move towards Jesus even closer just by being around them and in community with them. Secondly, here's a little bit more lettuce, right? There we go. The second, let us. (laughs) It says, let us hold on to hope. Let us hold fast to hope, the author said. So we can thrive. Let us thrive by holding on to hope. The hope of our confession. The confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is confidence in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, in what he said he has come to do. This is deep assurance of future things that are yet to come, right? That we can't grasp, that we don't see the reality of. This is the hope that we want to hold on to. This is, it's not wishful thinking. There's a real hope that is found in Jesus. And the author said that we do not waver. That means we do not lose our direction towards that hope. Because what is the tendency, right? What is the tendency in our culture, in our world? It's to lose hope. We so easily, so quickly lose hope. Especially when we put and place our hope not in things that are solid and grounded. We put our hope in temporary things. Whether that be our health, our wealth, our careers, governments, other circumstances. Because when those things fail, which they do, right? When those things end, which they do, they are temporary. It's easy to lose hope. They're not solid things that remain. But Jesus remains. That is a solid thing that we can hold on to. And so what we do for each other is remind each other the hope that we have 
in Christ, that we can hold fast to that hope. Where does your hope lie? Are you encouraged by others as you see others maintain hope in Jesus, even through difficult circumstances? You see, the believers that the author is talking to, they were under severe persecution and scattered. And so it'd be easy to lose hope. But even in the midst of that, that's why the author here is reminding them, hey, help each other to hold on to that hope, the confession that Jesus is who he is. And then ultimately, on top of that, what will allow us to truly hold on to this hope is the understanding that he who promised is faithful to do it. He who promised is faithful to do it. Okay? So even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of your pain, guess what? Jesus has promised that there will be a day that that suffering and that pain will be no more. He will do it. Okay? When your health is failing, and some of you are feeling it right now in your body, Jesus has promised that he will heal you. And it might not be in this life, but in the next life, we are promised renewed bodies. He is faithful to do it. He's promised. Right? When governments fail, which we see that right now, and are not doing maybe what we believe and think that they should do, our hope is not in them. Jesus has promised that he will reign over us. He is faithful to do it. He will bring about justice, righteousness, and truth, right? So our hope can be in governments to do that, at least not earthly governments. Hold on to hope. Let us thrive by challenging each other to hold on to hope. And finally, the last piece here of how we can thrive as a church and how we need each other is that we thrive, let us thrive by helping each other live out the faith. Live out the faith. And the author talks about three things uh, in, in, in light of this. The first, he said, let us be those who provoke one another towards love and good works. Okay? So we want to be loving. At the first, when he says, draw near to God, he is calling us to love God. Here, we're talking about loving each other and loving those around us, loving each other in the church. Man, when I see men in here, when I see some of you in here being faithful and good and loving husbands and dad that provokes me challenges me moves me towards action to be a loving father dad and husband when i see my wife and some of the other teachers in here loving and moving towards their kids their students beyond the classroom and beyond education that moves me to want to love our community and be engaged in the community in such a way to be a community advocate through things like interpreting, where we get to be a blessing to people. And how important is that, that we are provoking each other, stirring each other up to love, right? Especially in a time where, what, many are so, there's so much divisiveness, division, and rifts. How much more do we need to stir up love in each other? Man, I, I see how you're loving in this way. And this is not a comparison thing like I have to be like this other person. No, God has wired you specifically and has designed you specifically to love in a certain way. And so I can step out and love in the way that God has wired and designed me to love. We can help each other provoke action, move each other towards action in those things, towards love and good deeds. Secondly, do not neglect gathering together. How important is it that you gather together? 
Is anybody thankful we're getting together again? I mean, it's been a little while, but yes. Are we? Okay, I thought so. It's a good thing. It's the way that it's supposed to be. COVID changed a lot of that for us in a little while. For these believers, again, they were under persecution. So as many were scattering and they were having to isolate and be by themselves, be separated from family, it became habit, right? It became normal to just be by themselves. But you need to gather. The author saying, do not neglect gathering together. Come together. There's something that happens when you come together, when you fellowship together. There's something happens when we come here on a Sunday morning. There's something happens when you engage in a, a small group or a life group. And when you gather with other believers, do not neglect gathering together. It's so important that you do. It's so essential that you do. And so, again, I'm encouraged to hear that the graduates are, are there already because my encouragement and challenge would be to you as you move on, if you're going to move on from a different community, make it priority to find a community of faith, to find a church. Make that the first thing that you do. Parents, help them to find a community to plug in that's going to help them grow, that's going to help them thrive. You know, as I was thinking through this, this message this week, my wife was reminding me of her own journey coming to be part of this church Nine years ago, right? As a young adult, just graduated out of Bethel, got a job at the middle school. Her dad moved her here. And the first thing that he did, Googled it, found Grace Community Church. You know, he just looked up E-Free. It's in his, it's in his blood. And so <laughs> Grace Community Church came up, called the church. He brought her to the church. They met the, the admin assistant, I believe it was Lori then, um, and just got her connected, got her plugged in. And she's been part of this community. And then through marriage now, I've been able to come and be part of this body and church. How important it is that we gather together and make that a priority to find a community that we plug into that's going to help us to continue um, to thrive in that way. So make that first things first. Those who are new to grace, get connected, get plugged into a life group if you're not already. Let that be a next step for you. That you have people who you're intentionally growing with in the word, but also in community. People who are going to come alongside you in all stages of life. We've done different times where we've had testimonies from our life groups, and it's just amazing what God has done through people who've been in some of these small uh, groups, life groups, small group communities, and coming alongside each other. Finally, he says, encourage one another, even the more so as you see the day approaching, as you see the end approaching. And so what is he saying here? We help each other press on towards the goal, towards Jesus, towards Christ. And finish the race well, if we're at the end of our race. Or be faithful until he returns. To make things right for eternity. I enjoyed a run. I know, you're like, that's sick. Why would you say something like that? Yeah. And once in a while, you know, I like to do things like the turkey day. Or pretend, I guess, I can... I can run something like the turkey day. But a couple years ago, I did a turkey day, and it was, and it was, uh, um, and so in, in running the race the year before was a, was a big flop, right? Did not finish the race. There was a lot of pride there. And so the second year had to be a little bit smarter and wiser and grow up a little bit. Um, and so this time, I, I ran my race as I should, ran my pace as I should. 
Um, and so as I was coming to finish up the race and came into 10th Street there uh, towards the finish, um, and having run my race as I should, I still had the strength to be able to finish up, and so I picked up my pace. But as I was coming towards the finish line, uh, there's a girl who's a senior, and we've been connected with her and have had a good relationship with her, and she you know, was running at a different pace and was ahead of me for most of the race. Um, but as I was coming up, I saw that you know, getting towards that finish line was becoming a struggle and a little bit harder uh, uh, for, for her. Obviously, she would have still finished. But knowing that I had a little bit more in me and I was, and I was gaining, um, as I came up next to her, I said, hey, come with me. Let's go. Let's, let's finish this. Um, and so she was able to pick up the pace. And, and we ran together in pace for the last uh, whatever so towards the finish. And we finished together. And just how important is that encouragement? Do you have those kind of people in your life? That's how we have to be to each other, the church. Encourage each other towards moving towards the finish with strength. With strength. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Um, and then again, like as I'm thinking about this, I can't just help but continue to think of people who've really impacted our lives. And another man that really spoke to this really well um, that have been an encouragement to Karen and I, uh, and, and it's Van Den and Danielle Crouch. And when we sent them to Thailand in 2018, um, as we were doing their commissioning services, one of the things that Van Den says, as, as Scott asked him the question, hey, what would you challenge us with or what would you encourage us with, you know, uh, as far as how you walk this thing out? And what he said was that each morning, his thing was to ask himself, how can I help my wife, my kids, the church thrive? And that was, that's been a huge thing for me, Right? to this day and to see his walk and how he leads his family and his wife and what the work they're doing in Thailand is such an encouragement but ask, also be asking yourself that question or something like that how can I help the church thrive how can I help my family thrive? how can I help my students how can I help my work my co-workers this is what God invites us into we help each other to grow we help each other to thrive God has made us to be able to do that Jesus is our great high priest he has torn the veil that would keep us from having access to God. Having done so, we can thrive in the church. We can thrive in his church, in community with one another. We can thrive by helping one another grow in our faith to move towards God. By holding fast to hope. By helping each other live out the faith. We need each other to thrive. God has made us to need each other. Would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for just the power of your spirit. And I thank you for your church. I thank you for those whom you call to be your own and you have empowered and indwelled by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've given us all access to the Father, even as you have access to the Father. Whereas the high priests of old can only enter one time a year into your presence. You, Jesus, have access at all time, and you have brought us into that access into God. And so having that access now, let us be those who are helping each other to thrive in moving towards you. Let us be those who encourage and help each other hold on to hope. Let us be those who help each other live out the faith, provoking love and good works in each other. 
God, I pray you would move in us as a church that we would understand ourselves as part of the church, that we would engage in the community of the church and not live in isolation. You did not make us like that. For any who are hurting, for any who feel alone and set apart, God, would you meet them in that space and draw them into community? Would there be people that reach out to them and bring them into community that they may grow and thrive in you first and foremost? Lord, I thank you for what you've done here this morning in speaking to us. I pray that you would cause your word to grow in our hearts, the seeds that you've been planted. Thank you for our graduates again and their families, God. And we pray just your blessing and fruitfulness and thriving in their lives as they walk with you, as they trust in you. And as they walk with others who love you and trust in you. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.